The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat Good day, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed, to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution, not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com, and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Uh, in fact, if you're listening by way of the radio and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show, you can do that. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and there you're going to see two videos at the top of the page. The one on the left side is Bradley's show from yesterday, so if you missed that and you'd like to catch that, you can do so up until 3 o'clock this afternoon. And then, um, yeah, he'll be live in that area. On the right side of the page is where we're at. Click on the play button. Blow it up on whatever device you got. Look for the Rumble icon, bottom right-hand corner. Uh, click on that and uh, join us in the chat on Rumble. we got a lot of friends over there. I think playing a little air guitar this morning. We were playing our friend uh, Casper McLeod. Uh, that's called our victory song. That That's what that's what that was. I, I love where he can show off his talents there like that. I, I love those things. Anyway, um, you can join us in the chat over there. Good morning to you guys. Good to see you. Also, be sure to uh, subscribe to the channel, Sons of Liberty Radio Live. Yeah, I know Rumble's doing some stuff. <laughs> Unsubscribing people, not notifying people. I, I don't understand how a company that is, um, well, yeah, I guess I do. Other companies are publicly traded and all that stuff, and there's still those things. Anyway, uh, maybe they'll sort it or, I mean, if it's, if it's actually a bug. If that's what it actually is, I don't know. In any case, we're also streaming live there. Sons of Liberty Radio Live is the channel. Please subscribe there. Beforeitsnews.com, top of the page there. We're over there, and we appreciate those guys giving us a spot over there as well. Right up under where we are streaming live on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, be sure to sign up for our email newsletter. Uh, it goes out once a day, late afternoon, early evening. Um, today, it will definitely be... <laughs> An earlier afternoon, I can tell you that. Um, and then uh, tomorrow, we'll see how that goes, too. Also, if you would like to get our um, our ministry email, go to Sons of Liberty Radio, Sons of Liberty Radio dot com. And uh, you can sign up for that right off the front page there. And that goes out once a week on Saturdays. And uh, so I'm getting that ready now. So that'll be ready to go. And uh, yes, we are headed to the Red Pill Expo sometime later this evening. Um, 
and uh, I'm going to be a wore out puppy. I'm just telling you probably by Sunday morning, I'm just going to be exhausted uh, with all this just traveling. And the funny thing is uh, they're sending me along the same route they sent Kate. So I'll go through up into Chicago and she's um, she was there yesterday. I'll let her tell you that story, but the they left her bag on an, on a different flight. Uh, she was in Chicago for about six hours, I think, and they kept bumping the flights. Uh, so I talked with her just before she said, I got to go, I got to go and try to get on the plane. So they were going to fly her straight through to Des Moines. They were going to fly her somewhere else. So she's really had a tough time. Uh, everybody missed their connecting flight on her flight. And, uh, I hope it doesn't happen to me. Um, so yeah, we'll see what happens, but it should be an interesting time. I meet some new people, see, actually get to meet some people that we've had on the show. And I hope to do, you know, some short interviews with them. I've already talked with Scott Shara. Uh, you guys remember Scott and uh, his daughter, Grace. And so we're going to get a little update from him. He'll be out there as well. Um, of course, the the interview with Bob will air tomorrow at 8 a.m. Lord willing, we're going to try to get everything set up uh, today so that all I got to do is open up my laptop and, and play it. Hopefully that's all I got to do. Um, and uh, so we'll we'll be on that. Um, I had somebody comment the other day. Well, we don't want to hear about your diet and stuff. You know, just get on with it. I'm like, dude, this is this is my show. I'm going to talk about these things here. Uh, be patient with it. And, you know, if you watch the replay, that's why that little green bar is at the bottom. If you want to get past that stuff, just help yourself. It's, I'm not offended at it. I'm really not. Uh, do want to say a shout out to a Craig who sent me an email um, yesterday. Thank you for the exhortation, brother. I appreciate that. And um, I'm going to revise it. I was doing some other things at the time, but thank you for sending the email. Um, I really do appreciate it. Um. And so let's get into what uh, what we're going to talk about today. I just want to bring up a couple of little news items that we had on SonsLibertyMedia.com yesterday. I don't know if you guys saw this. Um, this guy Timothy Mapes, he's the chief of or the he's the chief of staff for the ex Illinois House Speaker and Democrat Party Chairman there in um, Illinois. He's facing federal perjury uh, a, fe a federal perjury trial for blocking an investigation into his boss's alleged corruption. It, and I, I use the term alleged. They haven't come along and, you know, put it out there and everything. But, yeah, it's coming out of Illinois. <laughs> what do you expect there? Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a news item today. Actually, it was yesterday on SonsLibertyMedia.com. Also, this one right here. Now, if you have the stomach for it, I'm not recommending this stuff, okay? I'm not necessarily recommending it, but if you really want to see the child trafficking world, if you want to see what really goes on, if you really want to have it exposed, um, this video doesn't romanticize things. It shows it how it is. Um and I think you'll see a vast difference between this and the tail on the big screen. Okay. Um, and there is a warning. There's language. It's, it's, yeah, it'll turn your stomach. Um, and that's why I say you need a strong stomach. You need a strong spirit if you're going to watch that because it'll show you what's really going on there. And I believe that that is more prone to move people to action. You know, it's like abortion. You can tell people all day long what they're doing at the abortion clinic, but till people see it, till they see it with their own eyeballs. And this was part of the thing that you hear from Abby Johnson when she we when she spoke down here at the right right to life uh, deal down here in Georgia 
uh, Bradley and I were there and we listened to her and she said it wasn't until I saw what was actually going on that it clicked and she had had to herself. Um, so, you know, again, ears don't hear it. You tell it to the eyes, right? All right. I I'm going to hit two on two things that I brought up the, uh, yesterday. And I think they're, in, they're needful things that, that we need to know. We need to know what the enemy does um, so that we can counter that. But I think we also need an offensive measure. And this is why I'm encouraging men in the communities to get together, um, to spur one another on to love and good works, to disciple one another, to train one another, to uh, share information with one another. You're going to need that in the coming days in your community. I'm not talking about having, you know, a phone conversation with somebody who's not in your community. You can do that too, but you need you need the guys in your community. You need to start building that that core group of men that you trust and that you know. And that's very important. If you got some outsider coming in trying to get in, if you're going to let him in, you need to make sure that you know who that guy is cuz I know I know what the feds do. I know what they do. Okay, I already know. But there is, if you recall, we had James Roguski on, and he was talking about uh, this World Health Organization treaty, uh, the attack on bodily autonomy, um, also the differences between their treaty and their international health regulations uh, that are going out, which he says, you know, you got to keep an eye on both of them, of what they're doing, because the, the regulations don't require the treaty, and those things just go in and people just automatically follow them. Um, so it's it's really odd. And then we have the so-called experts over there in the UK. They are wanting to create another fraudulent, unsafe, and ineffective vaccine in 100 days for the next pandemic. Now, the obvious question that you have is this. How, do you, how would you create, if, if there was... If these vaccines did work, how would you create one if you don't know what you're creating it for? Or do you? Or do you? And this is this is something else that uh, that came up here recently in the news, and it will it goes along with with what's going on. Dr. David Martin, right? You guys know that guy, and he's the guy who brought all the receipts showing gain-of-function funding and all this stuff to this Wuhan lab and all this kind of stuff, showing what Fauci and, and company were doing, right? Guess what he's come out and said now? There was no SARS-CoV-2 disease. I, does that sound familiar to, to you guys? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what we've been telling you all along? Just a set of symptoms and a branding campaign. That's Dr. David Martin. Um, here's what he here's what he went on to say. Um, he says that uh, he's shown proof that SARS was uh, research developed by humans in the lab at the University of North Carolina and then weaponized and released to attack humans. Now he has said that there is no disease. It was a set of symptoms and a branding campaign. Now, the obvious question is, well, is he just changed his mind? Did he know this all along? Or is he giving all this other information out? What's going on there? But I'll give you a couple of quotes from, and you can hear him on the video. Uh, the video is here at sonsoflibertymedia.com. They said, the that is the perpetrators, 
They were going to make an event where the media hype would drive the public to demand a medical countermeasure called a vaccine. So for the unambiguous nature of what this is, it was domestic and international terrorism. It was collusion. It was racketeering. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And it was, and like I've said on the show, I've said it many times, it was fraud. It was fraud from the moment that we heard Dr. Burks, you know, Trump's wacky doctor that he had up there, her saying, we're going to count all deaths as COVID deaths. Yep, got her on video saying it. That's fraud. That's not dealing, you don't deal with the truth by lying to the people. And what did we see? We saw motorcycle accidents getting labeled as COVID deaths. We saw, you know, people doing all kinds of things and dying from it. And then they labeled it a COVID death. So they were lying all, the whole process, the whole way along, whole way along. They were lying about it. Then Dr. Martin makes a couple of other interesting comments. Um, he says, there's going to be an accidental or intentional. I don't think I don't I don't believe in the accidents. Not when it comes to this stuff. This is intentional. An intentional release of a respiratory pathogen. Now, do you notice the difference? No term of virus, but a pathogen. By the way, your chlorine docs are worth there. And let me make a correction for myself. Uh, I did learn that if you're using chlorine dioxide and you're taking like a B17, uh, which I eat the seeds out of like apricots or peaches and stuff like that, that it will neutralize that if you're taking it at the same time, simply because it identifies even the, the small bit of cyanide that's in there. You know, why would you eat cyanide? Well, God made the fruits and he said in the, the seeds, the seed bearing fruits are yours for, for food. That's what Genesis 1 says. But it will neutralize it. So stop your chlorine dioxide. If you're doing that and you're going to take like a, your vitamins and stuff like this, wait an hour and take them after. And then don't take the chlorine dioxide after that until maybe the next day. Uh, so just want to correct myself on something there that I learned the other day. So I had to change. But most of mine doesn't, doesn't fall in the same at the same time anyway. Um. He says there will be an accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen. The operative word, obviously, in that phrase is the word release. He says, does that sound like a leak? No, it doesn't. He talked about what they had pushed out before. Um, he said, lo and behold, we got SARS-CoV-2 in four times in April of 2019, seven months before the allegation of patient number one. Four patent applications of Moderna were modified to include the term accidental or intentional release of a respiratory pathogen. And uh, of course, he, um, you know, he comes swinging. He brings his, uh, he brings all of his information and you can see a, um, you can see an image that he has here, a presentation of how he lays all this stuff out. So with that said, he, he's laid the groundwork to say, this is what they're wanting to do. And we all, we've already heard them. They said, well, we need to prepare for the next pandemic. Now, I'm throwing the L in there, obviously, because they are planning it. They're intentionally releasing this stuff. I've told you, I'm not buying that China unleashed this on. I'm just not buying it. 
I think it's I think it's our own governments that are doing it. They've been sold out, they've been bribed, they've been bought. And you know, what do we what do we expect from those who are traitors? Remember Cicero says, you know, the nation can survive its fools, it can't survive those who betray from the inside. They can't do it, it can't survive that kind of stuff. So with that said, we've got health and human services which again i think it's an unconstitutional agency maybe somebody wants to correct me on that you can call in and you can tell me why you think it's a constitutional agency 803-619-9855 803-619-9855 tell me why they're a constitutional agency and then point to me in article one of our constitution as to what that falls under because those are the authorities that the men who framed the constitution in the states ratified it, said that Congress could write law on, and if, and that's the only things they can fund, too. This is why when we're seeing funding going to all these foreign countries, when we're seeing funding go to illegal aliens, when we're seeing funding going into welfare, and yes, I understand they're to provide for the general welfare, but that's like the blanket statement. How are they to do that? Well, with the 18 to 21 things that we that we enumerated in the Constitution that they could do. It's like me saying, hey, I want you to take care of my dog while I'm gone for the week. Uh, and, th and that's the general blanket term, just like the general welfare clause term is. And then I say he needs to have a bath. He needs to be fed at this time of day and at this time of day. And he needs water at this time of day and this time of the day. And by the way, if you. You know, you can tell him little perks that he likes or he doesn't like, but you're filling in all the blanks of what the blanket statement is. That's what's going on there. It has nothing to do, welfare in, in the Constitution has nothing to do with our concept of what we talk about welfare. It has nothing to do with that. Uh, and I, I had somebody in the Telegram group trying to push that, uh, you know, National Socialism was the closest thing to the kingdom, on, uh, kingdom of God on earth. Like, the very concept of it is foreign to Scripture. It doesn't work like that. When you have giving, even when you look to the Scriptures and you look to giving to the poor and things, one, it was an individual thing, or the church took care of it. Moses and his guys didn't take care of that. You found that with the priests. The Bible says that when they would give their tithe, there was a, there was a time where they gave their tithe, and the priests were distributed among the poor. It was a care for them, but that came from the church, and it was voluntary. It was voluntary. And um, again, it's a complete different thing than, than what's going on. But here we have the Health and Human Services. They have a, uh, an administration for strategic preparedness and response. Uh, I didn't open this up, but I'll, I'll open it up and, and let you see. They have, as everything else, their own website here. And I just want to read you just the first couple of paragraphs here. This is their strategic plan um, for 2022 through 2026. And listen to this letter here. This letter is by Don Don O'Connell. Okay, she's a she's, I guess, leading up this um, administration for strategic preparedness and response here. Okay, listen to what she writes. Today, the Administration for Strategic Preparedness and Response, ASPR, that's the acronym they're using, is working on more high-consequence, no-fail missions than ever before. We are living in an increasingly interconnected world 
where diseases and other threats can travel quickly unnoticed for days. Yeah, we're living in a, that, that's been the world for quite a while now. It's not like it's something new that's been around for a while. In addition, infectious diseases or disease outbreaks are becoming more frequent and natural disasters are more deadly as a result of increasing changes to our climate. You see that? You see that little drop that they gave there? I, I, I'm going to tell you, I begin to wonder a lot if HARP isn't causing a lot of these natural, natural disasters. And we did a show where we showed you what HARP does and they use frequencies. Yeah, I know for some people they're going to get bent out of shape, but that's what they're using. They're using frequencies geared in toward the earth. Some of them in toward the sky, but a lot of them in the earth. What, what do you think that's going to do? <laughs> it's going to cause problems. It really is. ASPR's growing mission, while a reflection of the world in which we live, is also a treatment of the strength and dedication of our team, our greatest asset. It's not the Lord. We're not looking to him. It's it's man. To keep up with the evolving threat landscape, ASPR must remain nimble and ever vigilant while learning from each response it leads. This document lays out ASPR's strategic goals and objectives and reflects the approach we will take to help the country prepare for, respond to, and recover from whatever comes next, no matter what that might be. Now, again, if you've if you've paid attention to any time we've had quote unquote natural disasters uh, in our in our country, who's the last people on the scene? It's government, FEMA, right? And what do they often do? They're bumbling things up. They stop people who are trying to come in from out of state, helping people who have been affected by those disasters. Uh, they act like a bunch of tyrants towards those people who are just trying to love their neighbor, as they've been told to do. Won't let them in and do things. And they do a pretty poor job oftentimes in what they're doing. But they're out there to give people loans yeah, from the government. They're out there to do all these kinds of other things. And, um, but same thing is going to be true here. They're going to be last on the scene. Other people in the area do a far better job than the federal government. They, they just do. And I'm going to tell you, I think it's a waste of money, not to mention that it's a usur they're, they're doing a usurpation of authority and a, a power that they were never given. But it's a waste of money to keep funding these organiz these uh these departments. Look at how they're on board. We're going to go ahead and get ready for this. They're saying they're preparing. My question is, are they really planning? Are they planning for the next pandemic? That's that's the question I have because some of their language just gives it away. It really does. She goes on and she says this, in recognition of the increasing magnitude and scope of what we do, HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra recently elevated ASPR from an HHS staff division to an operating division and renamed us the Administration for Strategic Preparedness and Response. Becoming an OpDiv gives ASPR additional administrative tools to enhance our ability to respond to current and future public health emergencies. In other words, these people are going to be the mouthpiece eventually, if it's not stopped, 
of what the World Health Organization is going to do. Remember what James Roguski was, was warning about, that the WHO, led by a terrorist, not a doctor, not a medical doctor, but a terrorist who bankrupted his own country, terrorist teddies, that's what, that's what I call him, um, they, he wants all the authority to just declare a, a pandemic anytime he wants to, uh, a health emergency anytime he wants to. And I'm going to tell you, listen, listen carefully. Whenever these guys in, who are in authority start saying, we need to do this, we must do this. Remember William Pitt the Younger's quotation. Necessity. That's the language of tyrants, right? It's the language of tyrants. And the people who go along with them, he calls slaves. When they're telling you it's, it's, they need to do this, they need to make a declaration of a, a, a national declaration of emergency or statewide emergency. Why? What does that declaration have to actually do? Well, I'll tell you what it does it pumps in money and it pushes the machinery of the state to do what the people should be doing. See, and then the state comes in, and like we saw in the, the Davy Crockett little documentary that, that I showed you on It's Not Yours to Give, what happens is it alleviates the people from their responsibility and their duty to love their neighbor. Remember, Davy Crockett was called out by this, this farmer who was in his district. And he said, if you gave the people of Georgetown who lost their homes, these, these five families, if you guys could just take the, the public treasury and you could give them $20,000, we could have given them $20 million. What's the difference? It's not yours to give. And of course, Davy Crockett took that to heart. He took, the, he took the rebuke and he was repentant. Good for him. I, again, D.C. Is, is, is the problem at this point. It really is a problem. It is a beast that needs to be starved. It is a beast that needs to be abolished. As Thomas Jefferson said, I am, listen, I'm not calling for people to go up there with pitchforks and, and torches or, or your guns. I, I just think you're going to get yourself in trouble with that. But I do think that you can push for either seceding where you're, the state's not giving it any more of its money and any more of the labor of its people or that you can abolish it. And I would rather see the latter, to be honest. Um, she goes on and she says, it's going to give us all these things, these administrative tools, enhance our ability to respond to current and future public health emergencies. We will use those new tools to grow our capabilities and strengthen our foundation to ensure we continue to meet every challenge effectively and efficiently. They don't, they've never met any challenge effectively or efficiently. Never. FEMA hasn't, Health and Human Services certain have. I mean, this is a big, all it is is a bloated bureaucracy that runs its mouth and provides little. I'll guarantee you they fund more of their bureaucracy than they ever do helping any of the people by taking the people's money, usurping authority, and doing what they're doing. She goes on and she says, as ASPR continues to grow and adapt to an ever-expanding threat landscape and mission space, we will not leave anyone behind. The impact of public health emergencies on an at-risk individuals and undeserved communities is often more severe and prolonged than the impact on our communities. 
as a country, we are not fully prepared for or able to respond to and recover from emergencies until every person in each of our communities is included and accounted for in our preparedness, response, and recovery efforts. You get that? Every person. They want to be your mama and daddy. Now, that's the language they give to sound like they're concerned, they're compassionate, they want to help people and stuff. But that's it, it's clear from how they operate, that is not their objective. Their objective is to justify their government job. That's what it is. And notice she ends with this, I am proud. Boy, I'm going to tell you, if there's something that, that I hear from professed Christians that, that needs to be repented of, it's that phrase right there. Because what you're saying is, I'm, I'm proud. I did something. I'm, instead of the biblical admonition that we are to be thankful. To be thankful. But th th such, is the, such is the heart of man that he is prideful and that he, his heart is lifted up against God. She said, I am proud of the work ASPR is doing to keep the country safe across a complex a threat landscape. The next five years will be critical for us as an organization and for our country as we prepare for whatever public health emergencies come next. In the next five years, she's telling you. Well, what about the next 10 years uh, there, Miss O'Connell? Well, what about the next 20? Why the next five? I think they're going to unload some stuff on us. If you think this is all just some lab leak and stuff like that, I, I think you're you're sadly mistaken. I, I really do. She says, um, you have my commitment that together we will help build a more prepared and resilient America. I just want to know, Miss O'Connor, did you take a oath to the Constitution? If you did, then I want to know where you got your authority from to do what you're doing, to spend money the way you're spending it, to be involved in these kinds of things. Where did you get that from? I'm sure I'll get no answer for that because there is no answer for it. Now, with that said, I shared with you yesterday, Karen Kingston had put out a video. She was poisoned. Um, her substack had showed that something about her son was missing at one time. She got some kind of text message and stuff, and she goes, this isn't my son. Um, and so she was asking for prayer for that and this, that, and the other. Well, this I came across another video where she was doing another interview with a guy, and I apologize. I can't read the guy's last name. It's like Jeff Dorner or something like that. I, I'm I'm not sure. I just, I can't make it out because the, you'll see it in a second. It's kind of, um, those of you on the video platform, it's kind of blurred out, but it's called In the Foxhole. So if you know what that podcast is, uh, here it is. But I thought this is very interesting because we brought out some of the stuff from the, um, uh, what was it, in the, in the 80s and then again in the 90s, some of these protections that were put in place over these big pharma companies. Well, Karen Kingston is going to break that down. I wanted to play this little portion of the interview. Uh, it's about a, a, an hour and 16 minutes. If you want to watch the interview, it'll be on sonsoflibertymedia.com. But uh, one of the things is, is that uh, she comes in and she explains some things about this and she points out, the issue of fraud. That was the point that I was making. She she comes in and says, they're being fraudulent in what they're telling the people, and this is how you can get them. Take a listen to what she says. I'm going to play a few minutes of this because I think it's very important for people to hear. Yeah, that's what I, again, I don't understand. It's like, 
personal injury court is the it's a wild wild west it tends to favor the victims um and you know to me this it, to, to go after pfizer would be like shooting fish in a barrel now you go well karen what about moderna if someone wants to go after moderna they can i think that contract is like a hornet's nest it, uh, you know barda ran the trials um, for moderna the data went through barda which is a division of hhs that works for the department of defense so it's a it's a whole nother beast right um but pfizer I don't know how many people in the United States, what percentage, it's at least 68% of Americans who got injected, got a Pfizer injection, it might be higher. So they really are the giants. So like, why wouldn't you go after them? And, you know, if you read the Brooke Jackson case, Barnes, really Robert Barnes did a great job of arguing what the contract is. Pfizer tried to say, we had a secret contract with the military and the judge said, take, shut, take, you know, take that nonsense out. You did not have a secret contract to commit fraud. And then Pfizer's attorney goes, well, I never said that. And the judge is like, you, you kind of just did. So stop saying that, you know? Yeah. And, um, you know, so he, she, he really shut down Pfizer's um, attorney, you know, but, you know, what, what Barnes what Barnes didn't do in, in Mendenhall was they had to prove that the FDA would have changed their mind based on the fraud that Brooke Jackson observed. So honestly, all they had to do was look at page 99 of the initial new drug application of Pfizer, where they gave the mathematical formulation with a 90%, what they call credibility interval, was a confidence interval, that was the floor. And out of the two groups of 20,000 people, you can see how many people uh, in the vaccine group that they would have needed, let's say it was 20, if they had gotten 20 people that had become infected um, versus the um, 200 in the injection group, according to what the FDA approved as the data that they would approve, uh, they would have not authorized the Pfizer product. So they that's what that they just didn't. So everyone's like, oh, it's a corrupt judge, this and that. I go, well, no, they they didn't they didn't show that the fraud was. Um, was uh what's the word i'm looking for um substantial or whatever mm -hmm. uh they, you know but there's a so my, i guess my frustration jeff is like i have read and memorized these documents i know what pages to go to to argue this stuff and everyone's like no we're good we're gonna we're gonna talk about how people become a new species and are no longer u.s citizens i was like really that's okay all right like I don't well to i, I I want to I want to I want to highlight something though that and make sure that we don't gloss gloss over this and and maybe I'm totally off base maybe it's me being conspiratorial I don't know but but so I just want to confirm for people that are listening so the attorney for Pfizer tried to make the argument that there was the secret contract between Pfizer and and the and the military the attorney for Pfizer said that they had an agreement with the government to commit fraud. That's what he uh, insinuated during the courtroom. That um, that the clinical first he tried to say that the clinical trials are not part or none of the business of the U.S. government because they're out of scope from the military contract. And the judge, because Barnes had gone over the contract, with the judge, the judge said no. Whoa, got another stop here. <laughs> I think this is in the video itself, so it's not. It's not me. I don't know what hung up here. 
Okay. All right. So let me let me just uh, let me stop it there, and uh, we'll have it up at sonsoflibertymedia.com. She's kind of, you know, pixelated. It was kind of creepy looking uh, there at the end, but <clears throat> that's that. She was fixing it in the details of that. That's why I wanted you to, you guys to kind of hear. So maybe you can you can watch it yourself, and you can get some of that as to what she's what she's dealing with. But and somebody recommended I get brave. I you know I don't know. Everybody tells you that they're not tracking you, tracing you, all this stuff, and I just. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, she's pointing out that they, their level of fraud that was going on. Now, seeing the documentation that we've seen from the FDA that they wanted a, a judge to seal for 75 years, like it was the JFK assassination or something, uh, which, again, I think in a free society, that kind of stuff, you know, sealing stuff up for 50, all that is is to protect the guilty. That's that's all it's for. It's not for national security. It's not for your protection. It's to protect the guilty. That's who it that's what it's there for. And the same thing was true with the FDA. First batch of documents we got out, Pfizer knew in their clinical trials, their shots were killing people, they were injuring people, pregnant women were losing their babies, all of this kind of stuff. They knew it. And they still put it out and they promoted it as safe and effective. To the point that they were saying, well, this can stop transmission. Then what was it? A year later, year and a half, two years later, they're saying, well, we didn't test it to see for transmission, if it stopped transmission. See, I'm not convinced that something is necessarily being passed from one person to the other. I'm just I'm not necessarily convinced of it. It might be. But I'm just saying as as a dad uh, and a husband with me and my wife's got 10 kids. We've seen sickness over the past, you know, almost three decades together. Hit one one person in the family, five people in the family, the whole family, and it not be something. And it's basically the same kind of symptoms that you have. And yet, it makes me wonder about the whole transmission issue. I mean, it just makes me wonder. Um, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not. Guess I'm just not convinced of it. Maybe I'm not smart enough, or I don't have the information that I've seen to, to see a lot of that stuff. But now when you unleash pathogens, well, that's a whole different issue. That's not like some some little uh, deal that you come across in which, um, you know, they're claiming an invisible, basically an invisible boogeyman, a quote unquote virus is doing all this kind of stuff. Whole, thank you, Jeff, Jeff Dornick. Thank you, Saturn. Appreciate that. Uh, I just want to make sure I got the guy's name right um, since I was using, you know, his interview there just to show you guys what she was saying. So she's saying that basically if you could get a lawyer who would actually take on the case as a personal injury kind of deal and you could get them to understand how the fraud has been committed and you've had somebody who's been injured by the shot. And look, there are several doctors now who are doing their own look at certain patients and they're saying this is directly from the 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 covid shot this is directly from it there was a there was an article out the other day i wanted to say i wanted to say the number was 85% 85% of elderly people in rest homes um who took the covid sh shot died within 20 days they died within 20 days of taking the shot how do you how do you 
twist that into something to say, this had nothing to do with the shot. I, I just don't understand that. I don't understand how people can do that. I think it's very clear what goes on. And sadly, for today, many of, of God's people, what they'll do is they'll say, well, I'm going to go see my white coat priest for anything and everything under the sun that they have. They get a bump on their nose and they want to go see the doctor. They, you know, cut their hand and they need to go see the doctor. Now, I guess if you need some stitches, that might be an issue to close it up, keep it from bleeding and, and to heal up properly. But um, you understand what I'm saying. This this whole idea of the insurance and the pay-as-you-go thing, uh, I, I forget what it is because we haven't had insurance. We, I mean, it's, I, I don't know that I've ever had health insurance in my life. Now, my, my, my parents had it for when I was a kid, but, you know, it was, a, it was sort of a catastrophic thing. I remember when you went to the doctor, which was very rare, you went for like a yearly, you know, physical or something like that. But it was rare to go to the doctor when you were sick. You went, then you got in the bed and mom would bring you chicken noodle soup. And I don't know what the idea was behind Coca-Cola for, you know, settling your stomach. <laughs> but as long as you weren't dehydrated... Uh, you usually had to lay in bed for a couple of days and just let it run its course. That that was it. And if you went to the doctor, it was a pretty simple thing. It was an in and out thing. You paid out of, out of pocket. It wasn't, you know, this insurance stuff. And I think that's where they get people going because they say, well, the insurance, I'm paying for the insurance. So the insurance is going to cover it. Well, for the people of God, don't we have something even better? And I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying don't see a doctor if you absolutely have to see one. I mean, if you are in a car wreck and you got broken bone, you need somebody to set those. You might need a surgery to, to do some repair there. That's fine. That's traumatic. You have a heart attack. They might be looking to save your life and try to do some things to try to save your life. Okay. But even at that, that's going to be a temporary fix. If you're consuming things that brought on that, if you don't fix the thing that caused the problem in the first place, because a heart attack just doesn't happen by itself. There are, all, there are all kinds of things that lead up to it. That's just the symptom of whatever the problem was in the first place. So let's look to what our creator has given us. Now, we've talked many, many times about what he said from the beginning as far as looking after ourselves. And look, this is this is all so much more than just taking care of the body. Why? Well, I read the passage the other day where uh, it's speaking about food and the body. The body is more than food, right? It's more than that. And God is going to destroy both. He's going to destroy the body. He's going to destroy the food. It's going to be gone. And yet... It still is a part of our existence. We're to care for our bodies. Uh, the, the, the body of Christ, the church, is referred to as a body, right? We're referred to that. Many parts, one body. 1 Corinthians 12 to 14. And so God, when he created all things, he looked, he came to the end of the creation, and this is what he said. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female, he created or created he them. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it 
and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. That's an interesting thing um, that George Washington Carver came across, and that's where he came up with the invention of peanut butter. They asked him where he got it, right out of that verse right there. He said, it's, he said it shall be for meat. Verse 30, And to every beast of the earth, and every fowl of the air, and to every, everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. So it's really interesting how he lays this out. Now, later on in Genesis chapter 9, he allows for man to eat meat. My assumption is, is because there's a flood, all the stuff's destroyed, and they got to have something to eat. And I think probably some of the extra animals, besides sacrificing, they had some on there probably to eat. I, I don't know. We're not really told. We, we're told he grows a vineyard, uh, that Noah does that. But, of course, that takes time, too. I mean, vineyards don't just pop up overnight. Uh, it takes you know, some time for that to happen. And so um, those are just some things to keep in mind. But God had provided for the people, for Adam and for his wife, and for their children, and for their children, in what he had provided for them on the earth. And then we come over here, you know, there are several passages. I mean, there's literally tons of passages where we see God's protection over his people. But it's usually conditional in the fact that they're hiding themselves in the shadow of the Almighty, Psalm 91. Uh, there are things, if you obey me and keep my commandments, Deuteronomy 28. There's promises for children to live long lives if they honor their mother and father, right? Exodus 20. All of these, all of these kind of things that God puts in place are for our protection and for our good. And ultimately, it glorifies Him because we can't say, I keep my health or I stand on my own two feet or any of this other stuff. We, we can't even say, you know, we sit down on our own. For we live and breathe in the sphere of who God is. He is the one who holds us together. He is the one who works in us both to will and to do His good pleasure. But there's all kinds of passages in the Scripture that speak about this, uh, about the Lord being our sustainer, our provider, our protector. Listen to this one. I'm going to give you just a couple here. Psalm chapter uh, 121. A song of degrees. I will lift up mine eyes into the hills. From whence cometh my help? My help cometh from the Lord, Yahweh which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. And the Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even forevermore. Indeed, this is what he does. He preserves his people. He protects his people. That's, that's the role of a father, isn't it? You dads out there, if, if your kid is, is in a dangerous situation, do you not go try to keep them from going in that, in that dangerous situation? Yeah. 
kid gets out close, playing close to the road or something like that, you say, hey, get away from there. They're oblivious to the fact that trucks are running down the road, cars are running down the road, and if they step out there and they're not looking, they can get hit and be killed or hurt. And so any father that loves his child, what is he going to do? He's going to warn them. Isn't that what God does for us? Yep. Quit playing near the road, guys. Quit playing near the road. You're going to get hurt. There's consequences when you break God's law. And that's the road I'm re referencing. You're getting close to, to breaking the law here, getting close to, close to crossing the line. Get away from there. That's what God does for us, and he preserves and he protects us. Um, there are others. I mean, again, just tons, tons of these that are uh, throughout Scripture. Psalm 46. To the chief musician for the sons of Korah, a song upon Alamoth. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, will not we fear, though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. There is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. For the heathen raged, the kingdoms were removed. He uttered his voice, and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he hath made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Amen. Amen. That's exactly right. Is the Lord with you, friend? Is he with you? Is he your refuge? Is he your source of strength? Is he the one who upholds you? Or are you looking to do that in your own strength? Are you looking for the, the wisdom of the world to uphold you? Because I can tell you the wisdom of the world we've witnessed over the past three years. Here's another one. This comes from the New Testament. And by the way, if you noticed in that passage, we're not going to fear. Somebody's asking uh, at the start of the show, something about, they were saying something about fear. And I said, who's, who's fearing? Who's fearful? I see that a lot with some of the, the article titles I see coming even from the conservative stuff. It's everything is driving this fear mentality. I, I assure you, when I put, put titles on things, if you're fearful, that is not my, mine is to, to make you aware. It is to warn you. It's not to make you fear. That's, that's not my intent at all. It's to warn you of things, of traps that are being set, of things that are being built. In the very same way that Esther was warned of what was going to come on her people. It wasn't to cause her to fear. It was to drive her to do something. Any of you guys get that? 
where Mordecai sends word and warns her, and she's scared. If I go to the king, then he, you know, and he hadn't invited me in there, I could die. Mordecai's like basically looking and saying, well, listen, if you want to save your own skin, you're going to lose it. But we'll pray and we'll fast for you. And they did, and she went. And what happened? God turned it around for good so that the, the, the devil who wanted to kill her and her people, him and his family found themselves on the very gallows he built to kill them. So when we put this stuff out, it is not to scare you. And I hope it's not to feed some information junkiness in you. I hope it's so that you are aware, you're made aware, and you can live, you can in some cases, set strategies and things of this nature, or you can you can take action in it. Let me give you just a couple others here. This is from Second Thessalonians chapter two. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may have free course and be glorified, even as as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men. For all men have not faith, but the Lord is faithful who shall establish you and keep you from evil. And we have confidence in the Lord touching you that ye both do and will do the things which we command you and the Lord direct your hearts in the love of God in and into the patient waiting for Christ. And so he's, he talks here about the Lord not only protects us physically, but he keeps us from evil. Isn't that part of what we pray in the model prayer the Lord gave us? Keep us from the evil one. Keep us from the evil one. Let me hit these last two real quick. Again, this comes from Joshua chapter 1. This is talking about the fear. Joshua chapter 1, verse 6. And he says this over and over and over again. Be strong and of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide an inheritance of the land, which I swear unto their fathers to give them. And by the way, this this be strong and of good courage, this isn't just in Joshua. This is in Deuteronomy. This is all throughout the scripture. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law, which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. And then finally, I want to leave you with this one, because again, I, all this stuff frightens so many people. And for the believer, it's a chance to say, Lord, protect us and bring down our enemies so that your name might be glorified. That's where we, that's what our, what our prayer should be. Second Timothy chapter one, verse seven, for God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Do you have that friend or are you wringing your hands worried about what the next thing they're going to do to you is? I hope it's not the latter. I hope you have Christ and you're removing that spirit of fear out of love. Bradley be with you at three. We'll play Bob Sisson tomorrow and hopefully going to catch you on Twitch or DLive, maybe both. See you then.